Hey, thanks for listening. Today, we are going to do a review and discussion of the new Shackleton Expanse campaign guide, separated into spoiler-free and spoiler-adjacent sections. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. We've already dispensed with the, the pleasantries of you're doing well and I'm doing well and uh, and things like that. How's uh, how's gaming been in the last week or so? Uh, I've not done a lot. I've, I've, now, I've now started a weekly game against a friend of mine to mm. play a weekly game of Marvel. So I can act, not role playing, but at least I'm getting at least I'm getting practice for the game that is like my main game <laughs> rather than having to turn up to like tournaments with no idea what I'm doing. Right. Um, so at least now I'm getting some practice. So that's nice. Uh, and yeah, I'm hoping the other side of the holidays I've got that maybe we'll actually just start getting some role playing in, but how about you? Excellent. Well, I took last, uh, last week, my regular, my Saturday game, we took off because my wife and I were out of town and actually that was handy because it came right after the end of a, um, an episode that I ran for my Star Trek adventures game. And so now we're moving into another episode. And actually what I'm doing is I'm repurposing, basically using and, you know, changing some of the the names and things like that and locations. I'm using one of the old FASA adventures, uh, which is called a doomsday like any other, which huh. features the return of the aluminum foil planet eating tube from the original series. Hey, don't shake your head. That was that was an aluminum. That was a cool looking aluminum foil tube that ate planets. Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I'm 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 we're gonna start that this weekend. I've uh, I put out some. Uh, I've got a, a site where I I maintain information about like the characters and the story, and we do a little bit of text based play. It's not Discord. It's something different. Uh, a little bit of text-based play between live sessions. So I've already started that. And um, so we will uh, we will pick up that this Saturday. Cool. Pretty good stuff. So we are here today to talk about Modiphius's newest Star Trek Adventures book, The Shackleton Expanse Campaign Guide, which just came out about a week and some ago. Um seen a couple of reviews on continuing missions that uh, great star trek adventure site um and seen some just things here and there people know you know mentioning in reddit groups and facebook groups about the book but we figured we would uh we would go over it in some level of detail um in this episode so you can have some information whether you're a player or gm about what this book is all about and where and how you might be able to plug it into your uh, your bookshelf or your games yeah. And unlike most of the other review stuff we've done, I do not have this book at all. Whoa. <laughs> I, haven't looked, I don't have it. I haven't looked at it. Um, so I will mostly be asking you questions and, uh, and you'll be, you'll be uh, given the, given the pitch. One thing I'll throw out beforehand as you, as you shape these and we work through this. And I, I think this, this will be good actually, because you are coming to this from a position of, of complete ignorance. You, you haven't looked at the thing. You don't know anything about it. And so you potentially are that person who's considering, is this something I should buy? This is something I should put on my digital or physical shelf. One thing I'd like to do is, is separate this 
discussion in a way into two parts. One part will be much shorter than the other part into a player focused and a GM focused because the book is full of spoilers that if you are going to be a player in a campaign that a GM uses this book to really fuel and serve as the foundation of, there are plenty of things that you don't want to know unless you're one of those read the last chapter of the book kinds of people. As you're thinking about, uh, you know, as you're asking me questions, let's think about that. I think we could, we could dispense with the player portion uh, pretty quickly and and first. All right. Well, before we go into player, can you just give me an, a, a, like a, you know, an elevator pitch for the, for the book as a whole? I'll give you a couple of just, you call it like basic biographical facts about the book. It's 320 pages. So it's a monster. Um, it is almost three times the length of any of the uh, division or quadrant books. I mean, it, it's a, it's a big darn book. And uh, there's a lot in its layout. It has, it, it's got 10 chapters and a lot of the chapters, if you have any of the division or quadrant books will look familiar. And I like that. I like that what Modifius does is they, they always provide, there's always going to be a, a chapter in these kinds of books about starships and vessels. There's, there's one about different kinds of aliens and adversaries. There's always some more player options in terms of um, species and talents and things like that. Those all get attention. Um, this book is then divided, and I won't say evenly, but it is then divided into what I would like to say are, are three general blocks. One of those is information about the Shackleton Expanse or what they call the Expanse in the book. Just background information, known historical information about it. There is then a portion of the book that is devoted to the Shackleton Expanse campaign which is entirely of Modiphius's creation. And then there is another section of original series and next generation era mission briefs. So story ideas for all kinds of other things that are either stories, episodes that could be related to that main campaign or entirely unrelated, or frankly, you could take and put somewhere else completely. Uh, so those those usual suspects, of ships and aliens and character options. And then there are these other three pieces, but those are not evenly, the page count between those is not evenly distributed. As for an elevator pitch, um, I think that if you're a Star Trek Adventures fan, you'd want this book because of just the story content and the ideas and just, and, and all that, that you'd find in any of these books. If you are a GM, I think this, whether you're going to run a campaign in the Shackleton Expanse or not, this is an absolute must have. I, I, I'm going to, I'll draw the line on that. Player, unless you're that big fan, there's a lot less utility in this for a player only. Okay. Uh, so actually, we, we, you said we'll start with the players first. So yeah. I think if I'm a player, the things I want to get out of a book like this, maybe, although not so. New new character options in terms of, of species is nice, but of course you only use them once. Um, so are there new species in it? Yeah, there are. There are five species that uh, that stats and background and information are provided for, and four of them are new. The okay. Orions are the are the not new ones. So the Orions as a species are presented, and then there are four species that are native to the Shackleton Expanse that are presented. Uh, with stats and it's a typical like if you if you were looking either uh, if you looked in the core uh, federation book you, you know you have a, a one-page spread 
on a species that has a picture of like a typical member of the species doing something adventurous and then information about that species. And that's exactly what you, you get in here. So there's that, um, you know, under the heading of new life path options. And then they have some technology and gear that some of it is, is more unique to the Shackleton expanse story. Some of it's not like they have a, a new kind of environmental suit that's for like, you know, heavy radiation and stuff like that. So, um, that's only about, uh, 10 pages or so of the book, that whole section. I'm curious about, so both for the species and the technology stuff, is the stuff they've added like canon Star Trek stuff that they've taken from the series or is this stuff they've made up because this is a region that obviously Modifis have made up this region? Have they then also made up new species to go in it? They have made up new species. So the four species that, I, I, you know, you've got canon canon that is star trek canon and then i'll, I'll say as a subset to that you've got uh, modifius modifius canon right and the four species that they present are unique to the shackleton expanse and therefore if you go by modifius's canon they are they're they're there only um so they are they're brand new they're not they're to my knowledge they're they're nowhere else in star trek canon they're they're unique to this setting in this uh, this sandbox that Modifius has created. Okay, cool. Have, have they added any new ships? I can't think why yes. they would, but oh, they yeah. Are. Actually, there is a section on on the on starships that's about twenty some odd pages, and they add more more Federation, more Klingon vessels, and they add Orion Syndicate. The Orion Syndicate, right. per Modifius's storyline in the Shackleton Expanse, the the Orions play a a, a a persistent role. I wouldn't call it like a major role, but they're there uh, more than anywhere else. And then there are also, there's about um, seven or eight pages of other vessels in the expanse. Like for example, there's a Nausicaan Raider and there are some, um, there are some ships from some of the species that are native to the expanse. So you've got a good spread of, of ships. I like that they're constantly, they're always adding more Federation and Klingon, but you know, they're always adding more of like your A-list yeah. governments, uh, ships. I like that. And then adding more of the Orion ships enables you to flesh out usage of them. Uh, and then obviously, like I said, they've got other ones because there are starfaring species in the expanse that are presented in that player option section, which obviously then you need some stats on their ships. So one of the things we've complained about in the past is that you can't always tell what some of the ships look like. So have they fixed that this time, or are we still in the thing of half a page splashed with one ship on it, and then there's three ship stats on that page? You actually we don't know which. We still don't know what some of the ships like look like, um, but that's okay. I'm not going to complain much about that. I, I find that really irritating when I, mostly because I see a picture and I was like, that ship's really cool. I yeah. want to use that ship. And then you look through the descriptions and realize you don't, I guess it doesn't matter, but I just like, I want to be using the correct ship. Yeah. I, I mean, so, and I like, I'm, I'm happy with their, uh, their graphics across the board. I, I like the imagery. I like the, the, the types of pictures that they're using and it would be nice to have, it'd be nice to have, uh, even, even just a little picture. So I know what all these things look like. Um, I know I can go look them up online, but it'd be nice if it was in the book. Um, as for the rest of the, the player-focused section, um, there's a chapter that's about the known history of the Shackleton Expanse, which I think is important. Um, that is, 
And it's presented as being like, hey, if your characters are going to play there, this is the kind of information they would have from an intelligence briefing, like your typical Starfleet type briefing. This is where you're going. This is how to, you know, this is how to view this place. Um, and it talks about Narendra Station, that is Starbase 364, some known worlds and locations. Very, very thin on that, but intentionally, because the expanse is supposed to be this huge sandbox that is that is mostly a, a, a blank slate to be customized by a GM and a party. So it's not trying to be like a traveler book where hmm. like every world in the Spinward Marches has a little code attached to it and it's it's done. There is no more creation. This is supposed to be a blank slate. Uh, and then there's information about like the spatial phenomena and the, the different kinds of um, navigational hazards and things like that that are unique to the expanse and make the expanse itself unique. Um, there's that. And then there's a whole chapter on the different factions, like the Klingons and the Orions and some of the locals uh, there's several pages on each of those factions that describes like this is who they are, this is what they're all about, and beyond that, and I think this is this is the step that's necessary in a book like this, and they do they do well with it. They don't just say here's the Klingon Empire, like well I know that. How does the Klingon Empire contextually fit into the Shackleton Expanse? How do the how does the Orion Syndicate? They're not just the Orion Syndicate. How are the they're the Orion Syndicate? within the context of the Shackleton Expanse and the things that are going on there. So they do a really nice job of taking known factions and also locals, that is those that are species that are unique to the Expanse and saying, this is who they are. This is what they're all about. This is where they plug. This is, this is how they fit as a puzzle piece into this um, like a mosaic. There's my word. So it sounds, I mean, that sounds to me like it's not a book that players need to go out and, by, but it would be useful if they were playing in the Shackleton Expanse that they could get a look at it and a read of it, or more likely the GM relays the information. Or likewise, yeah. again, if you're making characters in not in the Shackleton Expanse, you know, there's a few extra things in there. But yeah, but I think that generally, I think that's the case with most things that short of having just character splat books that P players don't tend to go out and buy books anyway, it tends to seem to fall on the GM. Yeah, I think that this is uh, what's nice. The way they've got it arranged is it's the first four of the 10 chapters that are player facing. And as a matter of fact, in the introduction, which is chapter one, it says, hey, if you're a player, you really shouldn't read beyond this point. I would go a step further and say, if you were a, if you were going to GM this, I would look over those first four chapters and decide, OK, what's known? Because there are nine different factions that get a couple of pages of attention each some of those factions may be those that that in your campaign players wouldn't know about like some of the 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 local species and so what i would i mean if i were a gm for this which i probably will be here in a couple months is i will look over this and decide okay which out of these first four chapters is going to be is going to be knowledge that is either known among Starfleet or known, you know, you know, some need to know intelligence briefing kind of garbage. And I would then provide that to the players so that they could read that and say, OK, now now we understand. Um, it, I mean, if you had if you were a player and you wanted to maintain the, the cloak of mystery so that you get to experience this as your GM unfolds it to you. Yeah, you could you could have the book, and if you were just really self disciplined and not read beyond what your GM says to read beyond, uh, but the the book is just I mean eighty percent of the page count is really GM only at least eighty percent. 
So it sounds like at this point then, if you're a player and you don't want to have this spoiled, you should probably. Just- yep. You know what we're going to do? We're going to, we're going to step back and this is, we're going to go back into the olden days and we're going to, we're going to stop the the record player. <laughs> we're going to hear that, that pleasing pss, that hiss as the needle rides into the middle. We're going to lift it up. We're going to flip the album over to side two and all the players only are going to leave the room right now. Thank all you. right. Now we press play again. So I mean, I think my main thing of thinking about this, because obviously I, I would be a GM. If I was getting this book, I'd be getting it myself. But I'm yeah. thinking, right, I already, it's part of the reason why I have not ordered this book yet. I have like a whole, but I have, you know, the, the three, four different quadrant books. And then I have the three, uh, I can't remember what they are, the different the division. division books. Um, and then, I'll, you know, so I've got loads of stuff in there that I can, if I just want to do my own campaign, do my own thing, I can just run with that. Yep. On top of that, there are two, pre-published adventure books yep. okay so there's uh what's the first one the new one strange new voyages World. oh there we go that's the one i have and i can i can remember the name of the one i don't have strange um, but then on top of that they've released a bunch of other adventures on top of that so i'm thinking like yes. you know there are an awful lot of adventures already out there there must be something in this book and you sound very excited about it so what what is it in this book that's you know, worth me actually, you know, spend a lot of money. When I already have all this other stuff, which I could, right. you know, I could run Star Trek games for like a year just playing with the From stuff. Here to like Gibraltar, you could run Star Trek yeah. games. Yeah. So why do I need this other book? Okay. What's in it? You actually, as you were saying that, you, I, the something clicked in my mind. I think you actually helped me clarify something. The biggest, there, there is a huge difference between the, the story slash adventure information presented in this book and all those other books if you if you think about all the division books have lots of adventure seeds in them and lots of ideas as they talk through you know what is it uh blue red and gold uh story focuses all those kinds of things the um the the four quadrant books have all kinds of story ideas they have ideas now it wasn't until the klingon rule book came out last year that they introduced the mission brief template and format, which I think is brilliant. Um, if you're not familiar with those, if you only have the, the original Federation stuff and you don't have any of the new ones, the, the mission briefs are, it's a one-page summary, like a skeletal summary of an episode. It doesn't have any stats in it. Uh, it has directions to use like, oh, you could use this starship, which is on this page of this book. You could use this NPC, which is on this page of this book. But really, you're going to dial in uh, difficulty numbers and the kinds of uh, extended tasks and task roles. You're going to dial that stuff in based on your players and your preferences. So actually, you don't need that. Like it's useful. It's useful. But these one-page mission briefs are brilliant ways to present um, the foundation enough of a story, an episode, for a GM to then flesh out. Okay, so none of those exist in the Division or the Quadrant books. They do exist in the, the Klingon book. Um, and so the, the big difference between those books and this one is that this one presents two things in regards to, to stories. One, it presents a fully fleshed out, coherent campaign, which doesn't exist in any of the other books. I mean, Strange yeah. New Worlds and These Are the Voyages have a series of fully fleshed out episodes, yeah. but they, they are, they're episodic. They're like the original series um, or most of Next Generation where there is no meta plot. Like there's, yeah. no, there's no stitching that holds them together. 
the what's called the Tilly Call Saga is a 10 part uh, adventure that, by the way, takes up like 110 pages of this book and has two episodes that are based in the original series, if you want to run those, and then eight that are in the next generation era. And they are, they articulate with one another. In other words, you could run one to the next to the next, um, or you could punctuate them with other stories in between, but they form a coherent meta plot that builds that there's nothing like that in any of the other books. Yeah. The other thing this book offers for GMs is uh, an eye popping 36 different um mission briefs 10 wow. for the original series AR yeah no kidding and 26 for next generation so when you combine those with 10 fully fleshed out episodes you've got 46 separate i mean you could honestly you could you could play this if you played you could play this for years <laughs> and and it would take you years i think like if you played weekly it would take you well over maybe a year and a half to two years to work through all of this that's in this wow. book alone. So there's a tremendous amount of adventure content and a big chunk of it is presented in a way that is a, it's a, it's like a, a you know, maybe even a multi-season campaign. If you're thinking about it from this, from the viewpoint of like how the shows were, were arranged. So that's, that's a big difference between this and those other books, not to say that those other books are bad. I just, I, it, what it seems to me is Modifius as a, as like a story writing team for Star Trek adventures, they themselves are evolving and, um, and that stuff was great, but this stuff is, is several steps beyond in terms of what it provides to the GM, um, as fully fleshed out and, uh, and like foundational, the mission briefs being like foundations and the, the Tilakal saga being, um, fully fleshed out uh yeah that does actually sound really cool that's like fuck a huge chunk of stuff like i said that the the existing things aren't a campaign they're a bunch of like completely one-off adventures right um that's one of the things i think it was, it was the same with the like the conan book that they put out it was a bunch of completely like non-connected adventures which was right. yeah you know it was it was they said, oh, you could play it together, but there was no real order to it. So actually, yeah, to have a, a full like campaign like that, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but still, that sounds like that's that's like 150 odd pages. So what's what else is in the rest of the page count? I feel like we're still missing some. Is there a bunch of other like GM only hidden crazy stuff going on? Well, like I said, you've got about um, about 60 some pages is player and GM. Uh, there is a chapter about the Tilikal, which is this race, this species that that forms the the backbone foundation of the story that goes into the campaign. And they've got about um, about twenty pages is just about them. All right. So you, as the GM, need to understand because they're kind of funky in terms. Of, and I'm not going to go into details about them. I'll leave that to people who get the book. But like what they're all about, um, what they're up to, where they are how this relates to other things going on in the expanse and even elsewhere, uh, that information is important to know. So there's about 20 pages on that. And then, then after that is the long chapter, which is like I said, about 110 pages of the saga. That is the 10 part um, campaign itself. Now what, what, what's fascinating is the first two adventures in that first two episodes are 
original series. And then numbers three through 10 are next generation era. And uh, they're, they're not like story-wise they're related, but you don't have to play them in that sequence. I, I frankly, I think the easiest thing to do would be to just pick up with the third adventure uh, and move forward from there um, and, uh, and just run it next generation and have the information that players would have found out from the original series, have that be like intelligence briefings or stuff that they find or learn over time. Uh, because, you know, like a hundred years separates them. They, yeah. the, now something that they do that I really appreciate is with all of these episodes and all of the mission briefs, 36 of these things, there's a little paragraph of information about, Hey, this is where you could plug this in in relation to other parts of this book, or this is, here are some ideas how you could use this in your own campaign or, or wherever else. And so they do have some ideas about how you, if you wanted to run the, the original series and the next gen stuff, they do have some ideas about how you could go about doing that and, and making it make sense. Right. Um, there's also a, a, a chapter that's about, it's called exploring the expanse, which has, just story information about how might you go about running a campaign in the Shackleton Expanse. And that's like 50 pages. And that includes all of those mission briefs, the 10 for um, original series and the 26 for, uh, for next gen. And then you've got the aliens and adversaries chapter, which is about four, little under 40 pages. And then, and which is like all your NPCs. Another thing that they do here though, that is way more prominent than in the other books is there are a lot of proper noun uh, NPCs. That is, you know, the the like the admiral who's in charge of Narendra Station, and the the Klingon general who's there with her, and the chief medical officer. Like a lot of the characters that the NPCs of note that players will run into, they're in that that chapter of aliens and, and NPCs as well as just generic ones. Right, so they've actually got proper named characters yeah. in there. Yeah, yes. That's really useful. Yeah, 40 pages of that's pretty good. I mean, that's kind of on par with the, the core book. On. And then yeah. about 20 pages of starships of different sorts. So that's, that is a big chunk of, of stuff to play through then. Yeah. Yeah, the, the book is capped off with a, uh, a chapter that's about, it's under 20 pages. It's, I think it's about 14 or 15 pages called Stellar Cartography, which has, it's funny because as a, as a you know, I used to play Traveler, which, you know, is like uber crunchy simulationist in its tendencies. And, uh, and I found this kind of funny and amusing and, and useful too. Uh, the stellar cartography chapter has um, like star, star system creation rules with tables wow. and you roll on the tables and it tells you like what class star and what kinds of planets and, and stuff like that. So it, it'll, it gives you a, um, it gives you a framework for creating sectors based on the assumption that in any sector, there are only going to be a handful of interesting worlds. Right. And, and, and that's what it, it, it puts that premise front and center. And, um, and so it gives you a system to easily roll up star systems that, you know, I find stuff like that interesting because those kinds of skeletal um, tables when you roll on, I've never been one where I stick with that stuff. Like, oh, this is what I rolled. I, I rolled a 17. I've got to go with a, this class star. <laughs> I look at those rolls as being just means for inspiration. Um, so that yeah. I think is a is a useful chapter, and not like anything that I've seen in any of the other books. 
which obviously yeah, could be used. Go ahead. That sounds really good. It sounds like the kind of thing that should have been in like, you know, the, one of the GM screen. Actually, I don't really think they did a, a big, like a GM booklet thing, did they? No, no, there's no, it's not uh, like, um, it's not like what you find with, uh, with Conan, which I think that book with the Conan GM screen is excellent. Well, I think almost all of the other games they've released where they've released a GM screen, the GM screen has come with like a booklet. And actually mm -hmm. it always tends to be like sort of, 20, 30 pages of stuff that really should have been in the core book that for whatever reason didn't get into the core book and they put it in his own separate book. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Star Trek didn't get that. Instead, we got that no. giant big square. Um, you get the Peter Frampton <laughs> album is what you get. You get the gatefold album and you get, but you did get the, the nice cardstock um, uh, like Starship Combat um, reference cards, which are, which are nice. But um yeah, the stellar cartography chapter is is good. It's really interesting. Like I said, I I think that this book represents, and maybe this, I mean, this is an assumption on my on my part, but this really seems to me to be evidence that the the writing and production team for Star Trek Adventures continues to look at ways that they can deliver things, good things, more effectively and better. They don't just have a, a design template and call it like a, a conceptual template for what they're going to produce and what it's going to look like. And they just keep spitting out new things to that same or in that same template. You know, they've there are things that they've added in here, uh, suggestions again about how to run these and how to integrate these and how to connect these different episodes and mission briefs together and different species and places. There's lots of like sidebar comments to the GM of how you might go about implementing these things. And then you have these kind of generic tools like the stellar cartography chapter, which could be used anywhere for, you know, anything. Something else that I want to point out um, that I hadn't seen mentioned in a few other reviews that I've seen of this, the mission briefs, like I said, there are 10 for original series and 26 for next gen. None of those 10 mission briefs for the original series are directly related to the, the campaign that's presented in the book. They, there, there's advice on how you could sequence them and how, and how you could connect them to it, but none of them are directly connected to that campaign. So if you're running an original series campaign, you have 10 episodes, the framework for those in this book. And what's neat about these 10 mission briefs, and I didn't even think about this. I didn't think about this as a possibility. These are spread throughout the original series and original series uh, movie timeline, which is really cool. And as a matter of fact, there's even uh, like shout outs to specific original series episodes that the story in that mission brief could be connected to. There's one where your ship is dispatched to rescue the survivors of the USS Reliant on SETI Alpha 5 after they were marooned there by Khan because the Enterprise is held up doing other things. Like, that's just cool. Yeah, that really they, cool. they did a fine job of taking those 10 original series mission briefs and, and setting them within the context of Star Trek canon and the timeline. The next generation, those 26, about a third of them are directly or, or closely but indirectly related to the main campaign in the book. The other two thirds are just next generation era and they're spread across the next generation era from the time of the enterprises, you know, the, the next generation TV show all the way through um, Star Trek nemesis 
the last of the next generation uh, films. So like, there's even there there are uh, there's one of the mission briefs that's related to when the Borg cube popped up again in Star Trek: First Contact. Wow. There's uh, there are two or three of them that involve the Dominion War and a ship from the Shackleton Expanse, which per canon was involved in the Dominion War. So these mission briefs, even if like, if you're a GM and you have zero interest for whatever reason in the Shackleton Expanse, there's a ton of, of value uh, in this book, in those mission briefs and some of these other things like more ships and, and things like that. And a lot of, like, again, those little granular ideas, you don't need five paragraphs to explain, hey, this is how you could plug this in. You need one or two sentences. And then people are like, oh, yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, this this ship was such and such as flagship during the Dominion War. Oh, okay, great. I could have a campaign that starts in the, the um, Shackleton Expanse, but I'm going to move it over and get it involved in the Dominion War because I want I want to do both. Cool. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that does sound pretty good. What else you got for me? Uh, I mean, I think it pretty much covers everything, doesn't it? Because it's you've been pretty clear on what there is for players and the the main key things for GM. So I don't think there's really anything else I can think to ask at that point. Um, it does say on the blurb for it that you can play that as as a Klingon. So do you think actually that would work? Do you think you could actually, with what they've good given you, could you play through using the Klingon book rather than the the Federation like core book? Yes. Yeah. You know, what's what's interesting about this is that. Uh, if you are a Deep Space Nine uh, fan, you know that there is the point where the Federation, the, the Klingons walk away from the treaty with the Federation, and then they attack Deep Space Nine. And the the question of how extensive is Klingon aggression against the Federation? Is it mainly just Alpha Quadrant and related to the Bajoran wormhole and the Cardassians? Is it is it mainly that, or do the Klingons just like go nuts all over the place? Um, and this Narendra station, this star base that's there in the Shackleton Expanse, remember, is supposed to be jointly administered by the Klingons and the Federation. Oh, right. And so there's a there's a question as to, well, what happens when Galron walks away from the treaty and attacks Deep Space Nine? What happens on Narendra Station? I think depending on the you know preferences and the play styles of a group of players if you had Klingons and Federation represented as from players, you could have a really, really Mm -hmm. interesting series of episodes related to the breakdown in relations between the governments. And what does that mean between the characters? Even if you just ran one side, if all the players were Klingons or Federation, it would still be interesting. So I I think you do definitely run Klingons. The Klingons are not presented. I mean, they're definitely secondary. More of the focus is on Starfleet, but they're not, I don't feel like they were presented as like adjunct character storylines. There's a, there's enough detail there, I think, and enough detail in the NPCs, the named NPCs that are presented that someone could say, okay, this is how I could run Klingons here. Um, and as a matter of fact, there are even sections where like portions of the page are set aside to like, this is the Klingon view on these things, on right. these issues. So, um, yeah, you, you could definitely do that. I think that would actually be, depending on the group, again, that could be a really interesting um, approach. All right. That sounds like a good book. Then. Yeah. No, I, I think that. If you're obviously, you know, it's a stupid thing to say. If you're one of these like game line completionists, I I don't need to say that. 
But I think that if you have any, if you are a GM for this game, you should get it. Even if you have zero interest in using the shackle and expanse, because you could just plug this stuff in. You could have ship lost in the Delta quadrant and this stuff's all in the Delta quadrant. You could have ship marooned in the gamma quadrant during the war. All the stuff's in the, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's all made up anyway. Don't tell people that, but that's, that's true. <laughs> um, and even if you left out this entire Tilakal saga, if you left out that completely, you still have a ton of mission briefs and you have a bunch of species that are new that you could use elsewhere. And you have a whole bunch more information about the stuff that we already know, Klingons, Federation, Romulans, and, and so forth. Um, and if you're a player who thinks, yeah, maybe one day I'd, I might run this, then it's it also has value. Although, obviously, if you read the there are significant chunks of the book that if you read as a player it's going to spoil the 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 fun of a of a campaign with some a degree of mystery because there's a lot of that here and i think there's actually there's a lot of value in that because you know if you've seen a ton of the the tv shows and you've watched a bunch of the movies there's a bunch of stuff that you as a person just know about federation and the klingons but this is all new this isn't in any movies or the shows. And so there is that opportunity for really ex as a player experience a experiencing a campaign through the character's eyes where you, you really have minimal meta knowledge about what's going on. I think there's a, a huge amount of potential for some good play because of that. Oh, good then. And that kind of you know, captured everything and you did a good job of selling that. So yeah, and I even bought it. So, I mean, you know, I I sold it to myself. Uh, you know, the only thing, I'll, I'll point out this one minor thing, and I think it's incredibly minor. Uh, and I've seen some other folks mention this in other reviews, is that there is nothing, there, there is no better map. And so if you, like, if you have the, the core Federation book, you know, you open up the covers and you have the maps of the alpha and the beta quadrants, and you have this kind of mustard yellow Shackleton expanse way off to the right. Um, those maps are the same in this. So there isn't like a, there's no big two page map of the, no. what's in the Shackleton expanse. No, no, you've got, um, you have the Shackleton expanse, like you have where Starbrace 364, it, 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 is, it is a portion of the exact same map that we've seen. So like if you have the GM screen and the big map that comes in it, there, there is no new content. The Shackleton Expanse is just this, this little like blob of yellow kind of intruding from the right side of that map. Although their, their position is that this is a sandbox campaign. And really, I mean, again, this is not Traveler, so we're not counting parsecs. Um, uh, you know, if you need, if the plot says that your ship should get there at maximum warp in 12 hours, you get there at maximum warp in 12 hours. Like I see people putting online tables of like at warp three, you'll go, you know, speed of plot is that's how fast, that's how fast things move and how far they are apart in my games. I think I've got one last question, which it, a, would be another negative, which I already know the answer to, but is it still white text on a black background? Okay. Good question. Um, I only have, because I am in the United States and the book is not out here yet. Uh, as a matter of fact, I only just saw like someone in the UK, like they have a physical copy of it. I just saw that this morning. 
It's still um, listed as a pre-order on the website. Yeah, weird. I don't know. He said that you know, Modifius came and dropped this off at my. I don't know if like Chris Birch ran over there with it in his hands and like <laughs> left it there in front of the guy's front door. Um, the PDF. If you buy the PDF, you get. Um, I was sent uh, four four versions of it. Two black with white text. Two white with black text. Yeah. And then each of those has a regular file size, and each of them has a reduced file size, so that it, you know if you have an older iPad or something like that. So I've been um, I've been reading off both depending on what I'm on. If I'm on my computer screen, I'm happy with the black because it's big. If I'm outside, I want the white. Yeah. So I have no idea what the physical book is going to look like, although. And I, this is a this is a color scheme issue. The mission briefs for the original series are white with like the gaudy red and orange and green, which is perfect. It's so no, it's so perfect because it just screams original series. Uh, when you get to next gen, those actually then switch no matter what version you're using to black with white text and the nice color coding with suggested spotlight officer and things like that. That's cool. I'm glad they only use this color scheme for Star Trek, though. And <laughs> I guess they it, need to keep the line consistent. It fits. It it yeah. it fits. Um, and uh, oh, I'll, I'll throw in one last piece, and this is this is for GMs, and this is just a just an example, I think, of good story writing uh, in the Tilikal saga, in at least one of the adventures, because. If you remember from the living campaign that they did a couple of years ago, some of the adventures that are mission briefs and otherwise, they're, they're story content that is repurposed from the living campaign right. um, into the mission briefs. I, I'm not saying recycled um, because I think it's done well. And if you have good story information, there are probably plenty of people out there who never ran anything from the living campaign. It's, it's entirely valid and useful. But in some of the, in at least one of the, Tilakal saga episodes, which again are about 10 or 11 pages long each, they have information for if you're using one of the three ships, the Bellerophon, the Venture, or the Thunderchild, the three ships that were established as the Starfleet vessels during the living campaign in the Shackleton Expanse, there are actually like it's like a choose your own adventure. Like if you're using this ship or a ship that's similar to this, this is kind of how this could play out. Or this or this, because they have one of the adventures where all three ships are present. And so depending on which one you're using or which one that's similar to the one you're using, there's a different there's a different function in the story those ships would play. Because like one of them can land on planets and one of them is like a gunboat and the other one is more of a generic like big Starfleet exploration vessel. And so in a yeah. situation, those three ships are not perfectly interchangeable. They're going to play different roles in that event and so it 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 provides you with information about how that could play out and even even suggests that you might want to blow one of them up um just to make the story more like, like heavier and more difficult and i think that's really cool there's a a willingness to get their hands dirty story-wise um which i i find appealing yeah that sounds it sounds good yeah so i i bought the pdf and then I will end up buying the book too, because unfortunately they don't have a cool deal where if you buy the PDF, you can convince them to give you the book for free. Um, it's the other way around, but not, <laughs> I'm not going to get it. I'll, I'll end up buying the book eventually from my, my local game store. 
Have they not? Because you've got there. Is it a? I thought Modifius has opened a, a U.S. store now. They do. They just opened the U.S. store like a week or two ago. Um, but I'll wait until the stuff. I'll wait until it shows up at my my store, and I'll go patronize them and give them my money. Yeah, I think Modifius is one of the few. Uh, who's the other one? Whoever does Warhammer. Um, that I tend to order directly from them because it's the only way to get the PDF and the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I get fleeced on the shipping. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm happy for, uh, for the fact that they have the, a North American store now. Um, I wonder if that's just going to help uh, get stuff to my local game store faster, but, but we'll see. Like I said, I'll, I have a PDF. I will definitely, I'm using it already. I've read the whole thing and uh and then when I when the physical copy of the book comes out, I'll go pick that up too. I, I definitely, I mean, there are some of the I like all the quadrant books. I like all the division books. I like all of them. I actually think that overall, this as a as a whole experience is and to say it provides more is ridiculous because it's almost three times as long, but yeah. it it there's just so much to it. Um and the fact that there is a plug and play campaign that you could run for months and that's not even using the mission briefs if you really wanted to extend it and has in, you know suggestions for this you could run the episodes in the campaign but then break them up with mission briefs that have nothing to do with the campaign storyline directly and it would feel like a whole season or multiple seasons of the show uh, it's like i said it's a really solid book Hey, I've got nothing else to add (laughs) or ask. Thanks again for listening. Next week's episode, that is on the 13th of October, will be about threat in the two die 20 systems and how to use it well as a GM. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash Fluff and Crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.